she left her water jar. It's a curious detail there in verse 38. Why would she leave it? I mean, she's there in the middle of the day. It's hot. It's dry. There's no running water. Verse 6 tells us it's around noon. You don't go in the middle of the day to get water. You go when it's cool, in the morning or at night. And so if she went in the middle of the day, in that climate, at that place, at that time, she went because she was desperate. She went desperate for that water, and yet she leaves her water jar behind. Why did she leave it? Well, she left it, as we'll see this morning, because she encountered a man that changed her life forever. There's an important backstory here in John chapter 4. In verses 1 to 6, Jesus is travelling from the south up north, from the south in Judea up north to Galilee. And he's passing through Samaria. It's the middle of the day. And as he's travelling along the way, no doubt Jesus himself is hot and he's weary and he's tired. And the scene that's, that John writes for us here in, verse, in chapter 4 is one where Jesus is kind of plopping down after a long day of travel. Plopping down exhausted next to this well, Jacob's well. But there's one problem. Verse 11. He doesn't have a water jar. He doesn't have uh, some kind of receptacle, some kind of ladle, some kind of bucket to actually extract the water from that well. His disciples have gone to get food and he's there at that well alone. He's sitting there in the middle of the day. Who's going to help him? And then she shows up. And it's a pretty fair bet, I think, that she was not expecting to meet Jesus that day. Last week, as we looked at Luke chapter 7, we saw a woman who was looking for Jesus, who was pursuing Jesus. But this woman, well, she's not pursuing Jesus. She must have been surprised to meet Jesus at this well. It's not what you would have expected to meet anyone in the middle of the day, let alone a man. And a Jewish man, and a bold Jewish man at that, verse 7. A man who engages her, who says there in verse 7, will you give me a drink? And perhaps the NIV there renders it a little softer. It's literally, give me a drink, he says to the woman. And with those words, there in verse 7, Jesus completely turns on end this woman's life and all her expectations. Because that's what Jesus does. He comes into people's lives and he comes into people's lives in surprising ways and he turns their lives upside down. This encounter that Jesus has with this Samaritan woman is shocking. And it's surprising, especially in its first century context. And we get some hints of that there in the text. Firstly, in verse 8, we're told that Jesus is... We know there in verse 8 that the Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Here is Jesus, this Jewish teacher, in 
engaging in conversation with this Samaritan woman. The Samaritans were considered by the Jews to be half-breed religious sellouts. Their mixed marriages with foreigners had led to mixed-up religion. And this Jewish teacher is now talking to this woman. And right there, what Jesus is doing is completely upending all the cultural expectations and norms of the day along racial and cultural lines. So firstly, Jesus is a Jew engaging with this woman. And secondly, Jesus is a man engaging with this woman. Because it's not just a Jew talking to a Samaritan, it's a man talking to a woman. And men didn't do that in the first century, not outside of their family, not in public, and certainly not alone if they had any integrity. So what is this man doing, talking to her? Perhaps a woman is thinking, what does he want besides water? And yet something about the way that Jesus speaks to this woman is different. She's surprised. And she says to him, how is it that you're asking me? Because that's not the way it normally goes. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus keeps breaking people's expectations. He heals the wrong people. He eats with the wrong people. He befriends the wrong people. Jesus in the Gospels explodes people's categories of what, he, of what they think he should be doing. And there's something important for us in this. I think if we meet Jesus... If we meet the real Jesus, it's going to be like this woman's encounter in many ways. It's not going to be exactly what we expect. In fact, I guarantee if you meet Jesus, it will not be what you expect. He will not be what you expect. This is true if you're exploring Christianity. This is true, I think, if you've been a Christian for a long time. Because the more we get to know Jesus, the more we realise that there's so much we don't understand about him. He doesn't often fit our expectations. He doesn't fit our boxes. We read in the New Testament that the Lord Jesus is the lion and the lamb. He is God and man. He is gentle and fierce. He brings justice and forgiveness. And so if you want to get to know Jesus, You've got to get ready to be surprised because he won't fit all your boxes. He surprises this woman and he surprises his disciples. When his disciples come back later on there in verse 27, they can't believe it. And Jesus says, you've come back with food, you've got no idea, you've got no clue the food I've got. The disciples don't understand, they're surprised. This woman doesn't know either. And for some of us, that's why we don't get to know Jesus. Because we think we do. Many people in our world think they have an idea about Jesus and they reject him on that basis. Some people think that, you know, Jesus, he's really not, he's not for a person like me. He's not for a person with my background. He's, he's not for a person in the way in which I think. He's not... For a person 
who's done the things that I've done. What we see in this passage is that Jesus says no. Jesus is the one who encounters people, not on their terms, but on his terms. And any expectations that we might have of him can be dangerous. Don't underestimate Jesus. I think he's what we see here in John chapter 4. And even if we do, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that's not the end. Because this woman underestimates Jesus. And look at how Jesus responds there in verse 10. Some of the most, I think, just beautiful words in the whole New Testament. If you knew, Jesus says to this woman, if you knew, if you just knew, if you knew knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What Jesus is saying in verse 10 is, if I don't fit your box, you're going to have to leave your box behind. Jesus says, essentially there in verse 10, you're surprised at me for asking you for a drink? If you only knew. If this woman only knew If she only knew who was right in front of her. If she only knew. This is great footage from the mid-90s. News footage of a man being rescued. An American man called Robert Baguki. He was lost in the West Australian desert. He was lost and wandering around for over a month. And in fact, the press helicopter first spots him and the helicopter lands just near him and the reporter jumps out of the helicopter he jumps out with a water bottle in hand and he offers this man who's been lost in the desert for over a month he offers him a drink and do you know what this man says? No thanks. And he walks away. It's amazing footage. You couldn't make it up, but it's real. And so often, we're just like that man. We refuse Jesus if we only knew the gift of God. People who are desperate for him, people who are desperate for Jesus, have no idea of what he has to offer. Do you know the gift of God and who it is that is offering it? What is this woman's initial mistake? Well, her initial mistake is to underestimate Jesus. And it's an understandable mistake. It's a mistake indeed that we all make. And I think Jesus says, the reason you don't understand me is because you don't understand the grace of God. Um, you don't understand that I am that gift. Here is this woman living her life. Here is this woman there alone in the middle of the day. And here is Jesus saying to this woman that he can satisfy her deepest longings. 
And in fact, that is what he's here to do. Do you know the gift of God? Do you know the gift that Jesus offers? Verse 11, this woman responds in kind of a cheeky way. She's a woman with some degree of uh, spirit to her. She's likeable. She says, um, Sir, uh, let's get back to reality here. <laughs> What's all this business about some gift? Let's get back to reality, she says there in verse 11. I've got the bucket. And you've got the empty hand. How are you going to meet my needs? Do you hear what she's saying? She's saying, let's get practical here. And I think she's asking a question. It's often a question that we ask. It's a question, indeed, I think, that our world asks. You know, this message about Christianity, about love and forgiveness, that, that's all fine. That all sounds really nice. But how does it pay the bills? You know, it's great that uh, you know Jesus is taking people to heaven and all that. But what about my problems now? You know, you, you talk about a relationship with God in Jesus. But what if you just feel lonely all the time? If you knew the gift. If she knew the gift. She, she doesn't know the gift at this moment. She's got a lot on her plate, I'd say. There's a lot on her mind. There's a lot on her heart. There's a lot going on in her life. In verse 12, are, are you greater, Jesus? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? And did also his sons and his livestock. Do you see what she's saying there in verse 12? She's saying, Jesus, can, can you do better than Jacob? This is Jacob's well. This is his legacy. This is the lifeblood to my life, to our community. Can you do better than Jacob? Jesus, are you really greater? Are you greater than Jacob's well, Jesus? Are you really greater than my career? Jesus, are you really greater than me finding my soulmate? Jesus, are you really greater than what all my friends might think? Jesus, are you really greater than having a happy and healthy life? Jesus, are you greater than that? And you know what Jesus' answer is? It's yes. In verse 13 and 14, everyone who drinks... This water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Do you know that Jesus is greater? Jesus is saying here, as this woman who comes in the middle of the day, who comes to draw water, Jesus is saying to her, I've got a water here. I've got a water that's so special. I've got a water here that, that is so remarkable that when you taste this water, you never have to gather water again. 
In fact, this water produces water. This water wells up inside of you. This water is a water of eternal life. Jesus, are you greater? Seriously, are you, are you actually greater than anything that this world has to offer? What happens when you get what you want? What happens when you find the love of your life? What happens when you land the perfect job? What happens when you get what you want? What often happens is that when you get the love of your life, you realise it's hard work. What happens when you land the perfect job, you often go to work depressed. What happens when you're drinking, but you're still thirsty? Jesus says here in verses 13 and 14, I'm here to satisfy a deep, to satisfy a deep and desperate longing in you. And often a longing that you don't know that you have. It's a longing that you can't quite name. It's a deep longing. It's a deep longing that is indeed inside all of us. Because there is something more. There is something more. You actually want something better. We all want something better than perhaps the perfect spouse. We all want something more than perhaps the perfect job. We all want something more than the next purchase that we are to make. Proverbs Chapter 19, verse 22 tells us this. What a person desires is unfailing love. And it's indeed what we're all looking for in all our restless wandering. And so blessed are you. Blessed are you when your dreams don't come to fruition. Blessed are you when things don't work out the way you would like them to. Because maybe in those moments, maybe, maybe Jesus is making room for us to see that behind all the things that we crave, behind all the things that we think we need, behind all the things that we desperately want, behind all those things are a deep, unabiding longing for something more. Verse 15, the woman says to Jesus, Sir, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Do you hear it in her voice? Do you hear her voice? To me it sounds world weary. It's a voice of exhaustion. It's a voice that's experienced bitter disappointment over and over and over again. It's a voice so tired of going to that water day in, day out to get water. It's a voice that's saying, Jesus, I think I, I don't want to play games with you, Jesus. I'm so tired. Often we're tired, I think, because we're tired from the realisation and the disappointment that there are deeper longings within us. 
We go after these other things and we're disappointed by them. And often I think this produces for us an exhaustion, an exhaustion. And so this morning I want to ask you, are there places, are there places in your life that you go after all the time that you would think will satisfy you? But time and time again you find that they don't. Are they the places that exhaust you? Jesus responds to her in verse 16. He tells her, go call your husband and come back. Now Jesus is getting personal with this woman. It's personal, it's problematic because she says there in verse 16, I have no husband. And we kind of get a bit uncomfortable here because Jesus is pressing towards the centre of her heart. He's getting quite personal with her. What is Jesus doing here? It seems pretty invasive. Maybe you think that Jesus is laying down the law for this woman, trying to convict her of her sin. I don't think so. I don't think he's trying to condemn this woman here. He hasn't changed the subject. He's still talking about her deepest need. I think he's gently saying to this woman, let me show you. Let me show you that you have a deeper need. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. This woman's life shows that she is thirsty. And at this point, Jesus is getting to the heart of who she is. She, he's getting to that, that place in her life that perhaps that she wants to hide from others. And that she wants to even hide from herself. And that's what happens when we encounter Jesus. It becomes uncomfortable. Jesus exposes our hearts. He exposes those places in our hearts and our lives that we hide from others and that we indeed hide from ourselves. Because the remarkable thing is, and the wonderful thing is, in this passage, Jesus knows this woman. And it's a reminder that he knows us. In verses 19 to 24, they get into this discussion about the proper, proper place of worship. And it seems as though this woman is deflecting and diversion. And notice what happens when she doesn't get the answer that she wants there in verse 25. When the Messiah comes, he'll tell us. It's as if she doesn't exactly know or like what Jesus is saying. Because when Jesus uses that word Messiah, that word means a lot for those who lived back then. The Messiah was to come. The Messiah was to come for the Jewish people. The Messiah was to come. And he was to come and fulfill the deepest longings of the nation of Israel. He was going to restore justice. He was going to bring about economic change. The poor would be liberated. He was going to rid Israel of their sin. He was going to defeat Israel's enemies. All the hopes of this nation were pinned on this Messiah. And then Jesus says these remarkable words in verse 26. I am the one speaking to you. I am he. I am this Messiah. 
I am the source of satisfaction, the source of your deepest desires. Not just yours, but Israel's, and not just Israel's, but the words, but the world's. And that's when, there in verse 26, that's when she leaves her jar. Why? Why does she leave her jar in the middle of the day? I, the one speaking to you and me. Do you know that this is the most clear declaration that Jesus makes concerning his identity in any place in the four Gospels? Jesus reveals himself most clearly to this woman. In the ancient world, the rubbish, if you were a Jewish person, the rubbish, that you know, the lowest of low of humanity would have been the Samaritans. And for the Samaritans, what was their rubbish? What was likely this woman? Why didn't she go with other women, other women in the morning or at night? Why was she alone there? Because no one wanted to be seen with her. She is the rubbish, rubbish. The human trash of the first century that no one wanted to be near except Jesus wanted to be near her. Verse 4, we're told that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. That's not exactly true. He didn't have to pass through Samaria. There are actually a number of ways that Jesus could have got from south to north without going through Samaria. In fact, it's unusual that Jesus would have gone through Samaria, but we're told that he had to go. He must go through Samaria. Why did he have to go? Because he was going there to meet her. He was going there to meet this woman. This woman that no one else wanted to meet. He was going to reveal himself in the clearest possible way to this woman because he loved her. Because he was pursuing her. Why did she leave her water jar behind there in verse 29? Why? Because she found unfailing love. She doesn't need her jar anymore. Because she's been filled with a deeper satisfaction. She is that jar. Because she's been filled as she encounters the Lord Jesus. She's been filled with his love. She's been filled with his satisfaction. Such that her thirst for water is nothing compared to the love that she encounters in the Lord Jesus. And her life has changed. And she wants other people's lives to be changed. She says... There in verse 29, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Jesus was pursuing this man. He must go to Samaria. He must go because there was that woman who in his love and in his sovereign plan decided to show the grace of God to him. He pursued her. And friends, it's a wonderful reminder that we are that woman. That there we are, in our doubts, in our scepticism. There we are in our stubbornness. 
There we are in our shame and in our running away from God, and yet Jesus must come. He does come. And he comes, and just as he pursued that woman, he pursues us. He pursues us in the middle of our lack of faith. When we were his enemies in the middle of sin, Jesus pursued us. And friends, this is the beautiful thing about the gospel of the Lord Jesus that unites us and gathers us here this morning. We're a people who have been pursued by the Lord Jesus. We're a community of people who each and every one of us who trust in the Lord Jesus have been pursued by him. And so it's right that we, as a community of God's people who have been pursued, it's right that we, well, that we're a community where it's safe. It's safe to have something dangerous happen to you. It's safe to encounter the Lord Jesus in surprising ways, in remarkable ways, in ways in which we don't expect. This is the wonder of the gospel. This is the wonder of the Lord Jesus, that he's after us. He's after you. And this woman, when she realises this, she says, come and see a man who told me everything I did. She doesn't say, she doesn't say, come, come along and, you know, and have great coffee. She doesn't say, come along and see an amazing, beautiful, amazing building as beautiful as it is. She doesn't say, come and hear an amazing preacher. She says, come and see a man. Come and see a man who knows you. Come and see a man who knows you and yet loves you just the same. Friends, that's our privilege as Christian people who have been pursued by the Lord Jesus. We have that opportunity to pursue others as the Lord Jesus pursues them with the gospel of his unfailing love, with the gospel that's surprising, with the gospel that comes to people that comes to people and the Lord Jesus encounters it as he has encountered us. Let me finish with these words from the book of Revelation. John writes these words. He says, come. Let anyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life as a gift. Amen. Please stand as we sing.